We are going to start today's session with a conversation with Rajiv Madhavan, founder and general partner of Clear Ventures. Rajiv, I've known for a very long time, and Rajiv has been here before. You may have listened to his previous session, but um, it's been a while, so we want to catch up. Welcome back, Rajiv. Uh, thank you, Srimana, for having me, and it's great to be here during these interesting times. Yes. So let's catch up. What, um, what is going on right now with your fund, your investment pieces? How have things been uh, since we last spoke? Let's uh, level set so, a bit. So we are about a $330 million venture fund um, in Palo Alto here. Um, and typically we do the size of checks of around 200K to all the way up to in the first check, we have written up to five or $6 million in the rare exception, we have gone even higher than that in the very first check, right? So we can do very deep tech uh, projects that take a lot of money as well as some which are still in the very, very early stages. Pretty much everything we have done out of the 19 investments that we have done 18 are seed and uh, one is a series a uh, but we don't start with series b etc we are very much the first and and i know a lot of vcs in sandal will say they do seed but when we say seed there is no business plan and uh, you know many of these things gravitate from what it is to pivoting to a real product so we are truly what i consider the first check uh, mm -hmm. Not necessarily the first venture check alone, which probably sometimes is, is very much the very first check that goes into the, into the company. Most of our investments, we have two which are consumer-oriented investments or one which is a B2B, but B2B2C. Uh, and uh, we have one which is B2C, but everything else is in the uh, B2B enterprise class software with very deep technology uh, focus, right? That is what we are very good at. As you know, uh, the partners of this fund are people who have had done these long investments either as venture partners as or as practicing uh, operators, people like me who have run you know, three, four companies in Silicon Valley. So we think we are better in the very early stage uh, than in the latter stages. Uh, in which case, you know, money makes more difference alone uh, and nothing else makes as much of a difference. So we had a lot of value in the very early stages. Rajiv, um, let's talk a little bit about the companies that you've invested in. Um, you know, double click down from deep tech into some of the areas where you are seeing interesting companies and um, talk us through what what is it that interesting why is it interesting and, and what's drawing your attention so let, let me kind of uh, out of the 19 15 have announced their products four are still in the stealth mode uh, because they're you know new and just working on their product and will be launching in the next six nine months right so we have in the 15 i'm just going to pick two extremes just to kind of give an example of different things right we have a company which is um called Atmosic. It's actually a chip design. We have only three in semiconductor investments out of this 19. Uh, one of them is a semiconductor investment. It's a chip uh, for Bluetooth communications. Bluetooth uh, um, requires today batteries and an ARM processor. And so if you look at my headphones, if I forget to charge today, 
I'm out of luck. I have to put it back down and either scramble for another headphones and come and talk to you, Sermana. But this is a self-charging chip, meaning uh, you put it anywhere and it sucks up RF energy from the ambient RF energy from the air, from the sources you put and can charge automatically. So think about it, your IoT devices, your curtain right behind you. Every Every quarter, or every six months, you are running around going to Costco or someplace buying a whole set of batteries and tweaking them in, right? So, well, this just stops you from having to do that. You don't need that. You have IoT devices, uh, headphones, et cetera, where you just do not need to replace the batteries. First of all, it untethers a device uh, from all the electrical connections that you need. And the second thing it, it does is give you the ability and the freedom of not being tied to a bunch of battery replacements that, that you have to go through. It's almost like, you know, painting the Golden Gate Bridge. Once you're done at the other end, you got to start from the, this end again today with batteries. And here you don't need to do that, right? You just absolutely have a self-charging environment. So that's on one side, one of our companies, it's called Mosic, launched their product just weeks uh, before COVID and has done pretty okay during the COVID stage, has raised a lot of financing during COVID, uh, you know, incoming financing interest from suppliers who actually wanted to invest into the company, et cetera, and has gone through that process very uh, nicely as they are building a sales force as we speak to go and channel all these products into, into, the, into the sales and into the market side. So that's one side, an extreme case of a hardware uh, driven uh, scenario to, on the other side, uh, the last, company that launched a product, which is, a, I'm just picking two extremes just to show you. The last one is a company called Opsera. They are DevOps um, product. And essentially what they do is most of the new products and new company things are created with a very good CI/CD pipeline and products uh, that people need to maintain, manage, etc. So even if, uh, as we looked at our own companies, we found that not all of them had great uh, you know, development chops and, and ability to actually manage it. Many of these startups write their software in the first year, second year figure out that we never really had the right testing framework, right CICD framework, and have to go through and redo their products. Opsera completely eliminates that, provides an entire set of CICD DevOps tools, allows in remote scenarios like we are in, in COVID, et cetera, for me to manage remote employees, know where they're stuck, where they need help, where can I increment uh, and improve their performance? All of those can be done very, very systematically and in an organized fashion. They launched their product about a about October uh, um, timeframe and had their first quarter, uh, you know, did a $1 million kind of quarter range. We're so very, very proud of the team that you know, during COVID, they again were funded uh, just uh, weeks before COVID and Right during COVID, they launched the product, and now, uh, in a one quarter in, uh, they have been doing extremely well uh, as a uh, as a team in in delivering on on this DevOps mission that they're on. So we have in between a lot of AI companies, AI applications. We don't do AI as a platform. We do AI use cases as as one of the things that we fund as well. So we have. In between that, uh, all the all of the can of worms that you can get, including a combinations of bioengineering uh, uh, scenarios where you have, you know, biology applications with AI uh, making drastic 
changes and benefits to the biology applications. So that's the kind of range. Uh, we've done pretty much everything except healthcare that needs FDA approval, which we, we find it very, very difficult to, to do just because being in the path of Uncle Sam is not something we want to be uh, yeah. uh, involved with. So a couple of questions come to my mind as I'm listening to you. First one, in the battery company, how did you do technology validation in making this investment? What did the company come to you with? And what, how do you, what, what was your decision to assume that this team can build this technology, the product will work? What, what is that decision predicated upon? So in this particular case, this is uh, David Sue and Masood are the founding engineers of a company called Atheros, which Samana, I'm sure everybody in your audience know, they invented Wi-Fi, right? The first Wi-Fi chips rolled out of Theresa Meng's lab. David Su was in the PhD teams and his work at uh, Stanford was all on that on that space. So this is the guys who created uh, Wi-Fi in, as, as we know it. Uh, they've been a customer of mine as I sold you know, uh, products to them uh, in my past lives. So uh, I knew both of them uh, or had heard of them, uh, or, you know, David and knew Masood uh, before that. They came in for a pitch, uh, in fact, got the intro through the lawyer uh, again, just because, you know, sometimes some of them are hesitant to call you back, even though they have met you in the past. So, you know, the lawyer asked us, hey, Rajiv, if somebody you know wants to meet with you, we took the meeting. and. You know, I don't generally do semiconductor large chip investments. I've looked at all these AI chips, et cetera, we have passed because for a fund of $300 million to invest in companies which require 200, 300 million uh, yeah. plus is not the right area for us. So the first thing I told David and Masood was chances of me investing are very low, but having been a semiconductor, you know, entrepreneur, I'm happy to help you and, 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 uh, work with you. And 45 minutes into the meeting, I said, David, I think I should invest in this. So it was like, <laughs> it was like you know, uh, started with a, with a most likely it's going to be no, and I didn't want to uh, tell them at the end. I just sort of started it uh, very nice because we thought we're going to be passing on semiconductor investments. 45 minutes into it, complexity of the chip is, is big, but it's not very large. Uh, you know, the team it's a proven team that we knew could repeat, uh, rinse and repeat on semiconductor design. And you know the, the problem, I empathize very much. I'm one of those gadget geeks who buys and puts everything, drives my wife and kids nuts because half the time the batteries are out. And, and you know I get a call saying, you know, this is not working, Papa, that's not working, Papa. So I, I, I know the problem, uh, just my own daily experiences and when you, talk to industrial IOT customers, you immediately realize where you are putting these things in pumps in, you know, I different places. I have about the problem. I think the problem is, is very obvious. I think it's more the technology is it's complex. And, and I'm just, I'm, I'm curious on how it works. So, anyway, so, so, yeah, I'm not getting into the, into the technology. <laughs> Most of the projects we take are fairly complex. Okay, I mean, and none of them can be done in six months, etc. Uh, you know, I mean, and it's usually takes 12 months of a very conscious big team and experienced team in that particular space. Uh, and even if it's a founder who's not that we look for projects which 
have a, a, a big differentiation on an ongoing favor, uh, basis, right? I mean, it's, it's unfair to say that there is a mode built by anybody walking in as a startup at, on day one. A mode gets built over a period of time. And sure. but the, does this team have the capacity to build that mode? Uh, and what is it going to be long-term? Is something that, that well, you, yeah. you know. I mean, something like this, if you can crack it at a technical level, that itself is a mode and you can yeah. get patterns and all that. Yeah, so this is a Yeah, it's a bigger execution problem. I agree with that. Uh, and then it gets into, in, into the uh, differentiation, right? So that, so we spent a lot of time looking at, at, at these, these uh, deep technical things where the differentiation over a period of time grows and you can, it can grow. And now that's one hardware company in the software sites. We have companies which are doing a lot of things in security, et cetera. We look for that, whether it's software, hardware, system, it really does not matter uh, whether Let's it's deep tech. What, um, what are the kind of things you've invested in AI and what is your investment thesis on AI? So in AI, we have a company called Reflection, uh, which has been doing AI for uh, e-commerce their entire. Today, when you shop in many of the websites, you and I would get the same web page where you go in, or you may get a small carousel where it says, some of people who bought uh, this may have bought this other stuff, right? That's the level of automation. Whereas what uh, what reflection does the entire pages and entire experience, including search and all the tools and utilities on the uh, commerce site is completely custom to Shramana. So when you type leather, maybe you've been looking for a leather bag and I've been looking for a leather shoe. It kind of completely changes the uh, aspects of, of the page completely and is curating pages on the fly. And it's sending me and you differentiated web pages, differentiated emails, uh, like maybe, uh, Shermana, the best time to reach you on email for these things is 6 p.m. Maybe for me, it's 7 a.m. It learns all that. It, it uh, really figures out all of the entire platform of what needs to be done is completely curated, automated uh, as a service. So you don't need a very large team to do all those things in, in, in e-commerce, right? That's on one end. We have companies which are doing e-commerce for security. Uh, we have companies which are doing e-commerce for biology applications. So lots of different things uh, that that apply, which are applied AI use cases that we look into. And um, what bi what aspects of biology uh, applications are you going after through, a, through your AI companies? So, I mean, we've not announced products, but if uh, it's fair to say, you know, DNA sequencing, et cetera, et cetera, and they're doing AI stuff, very well known. Now there's a significant breakthroughs and significant uh, cutting uh, edge uh, RNA, which starts from the DNA to the protein side. That's also being done very well. The next research, there's a lot of things that can be done in protein. I cannot talk about the products because the company has not announced uh, the products, but there is a lot of work on applied AI in those side. Uh, a lot mm -hmm. of things that, that applies on different, different uh, segments and more importantly, the whole of biology space. I mean, we, we've seen applications from blood flow being measured uh, to different things that completely changes the way, uh, you know, we do the testing of, uh, of, of things in, in AI, testing and, and development of tools and solutions for the tools uh, to do that, right? Basically, 
this is an area where we are looking at, but we are looking at very much at the intersection of biology and AI applications, not just biology applications that we, we, we're not good at getting into. You know, uh, one of my thesis, uh, based on what I'm observing, and you may have read some of my writings on this, is the whole platform as a service trend that is emerging uh, and, and picking up, actually. <clears throat> well, uh, Salesforce had started this a long time ago, uh, quite early in their journey, and built an enormous business, not just on the application side, but also opened up their platform and, and a lot of great companies have been built on that platform, including stuff like Viva and uh, Velocity and that Salesforce bought later, et cetera. Uh, that playbook is being uh, picked up by other people, and there are other platform ecosystems that are emerging. And um, I've talked to a lot of people, um, including a lot of AI founders who are uh, building one application area currently, but clearly see that in, in, in a medium-term window, they're going to follow a path strategy. Comment on that. What are you seeing in your so, um, orbit? So we, it's very interesting you raised that we have a company in that space called, uh, in, in, in using platforms as a service in some form or shape. We have a company called Robin.io, which has been extremely uh, successful now powering uh, telco for, uh, you know, vendors like Rakuten. So Rakuten has brought up a 5G network, native cloud. It's all powered. Their RCP uses Robin's uh, technology underneath it and Robin's platform and platform as a service underneath it to actually build uh, the RCP platform. Right? What they have done is they have, uh, as you, in this particular case, it's using you know, the trends that is happening with respect to Kubernetes, but Kubernetes in and itself is not the differentiation. The, the fact of the matter is, is it's, that's, it's becoming a commodity. Google has got uh, Anthos, you know, AKS from Amazon, lots of Kubernetes aspects of things. But how do you apply Kubernetes with a storage compute in a hyper-converged manner such that I can provide all the networking requirements of running a job on on prem, on cloud, starting a job here, being able to manage it uh, on any cloud, so that I'm not beholden to one particular cloud alone. I'm completely free to be able to make that changes based on whose cloud is best for me mm -hmm. for that particular application. So they provide a platform as a service for that. It can be hosted on prem to any any solution, and you can actually run that. Uh, anywhere. The company has been doing extremely well, uh, has been growing dramatically, I mean, doubling every six months or so in revenue and getting out there and, and growing uh, over the last three years has been very good. So this is, it's no longer uh, enough to provide a set of solution or a set of products. You have to provide the entire platform as a solution. I mean, Salesforce was the first to innovate. I mean, I, I was one of the first customers when I was at Magma uh, deploying Salesforce, we we had the same VCs as, as Salesforce, so I had no choice but to use it. Mark Perry and then he asked me to use it. And so I was one of the first, I was, I believe, the first customer at Magma. But we ended up uh, realizing that we could build a lot of things of uh, our system around it, our entire company operations. Back in 2001, 2002, we built on Salesforce. And if you if you realize that kind of power on a platform, 
uh, the and and you know mark and team obviously focused on not providing the engines inside the platform but the whole platform as a service from day one and i think this is something yeah. that every entrepreneur should look at right it's not the code i provide and i sell that uh, you know code in some executable form it's the whole aspect of how do i increase the usage rapidly and how do i actually amortize the value of the maintenance and value of all of that in a saas kind of platform the saas dictates right. saas has got a great advantage that it's a recurring revenue it's a very beautiful model but it has a very big disadvantage that if you do a bad job the customer can go away in a year because it's a year yeah. commitment uh so you really need to make sure that your service is phenomenal and this is why if you're doing that kind of phenomenal service why not offer all of that service as part of the platform and provide a value added solution rather than just the platform uh and some code aspects of things and there are you know various nuances to the strategy um you know to to developing a fast strategy there's you know there are players like ServiceNow for instance who do have a platform as a service product but they are basically working with large enterprises and uh, you know workloads within the enterprise and they're working with the system integrators they're clearly a, a large enterprise facing strategy um, i also really like how salesforce.com activated a lot of startups on top of their platform like the viva story is an incredible story I mean, i've known them for a long time and it's uh, you know it was basically viva built this company for 4 million dollars and and delivered 600 million dollars worth of revenue and you know multi billion dollar market cap this company had raised other money but they didn't really need it so because they developed themselves for the stack and i i really like capital efficient companies so i uh, I, I, the, the vision of many of these different fast ecosystems emerging in different use case areas, uh, different genres, whether it's supply chain or manufacturing or DevOps or you know various different areas, different ecosystems emerging on different platforms and enabling a lot of ISVs to take the use cases further. This sounds like a phenomenal. forward looking opportunity to me so so shamana i think you know i mean every platform when it starts out you don't have the apis and the integration that startups and others could build on right because you are barely sure. a startup you are trying to get your first sales right yeah but once the platform becomes beautiful uh then there's going to if you, if done right there's going to be an ecosystem of applications around your platform that's when you have truly succeeded which is when sales was succeeded uh really yeah. when 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 they could open up and now there can be a repertoire of companies that come around it in various uh, facets it's not going to be just yeah. the internal teams that will do it right and this is an opportunity for founders and this is an area where you can do it with less money uh you know and and get to a certain point and it depends i mean there was one uh, at 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 600 million there's many which are then sold at 3 4 million dollars 2 million etc that happens right There's nothing yeah. wrong in doing that right it you ultimately no, fact, every, every entrepreneur has to know where are you and based on that determine how much money do i need to raise if i'm building that entire platform from scratch i'm going to have to do a lot more of heavy lifting than i would have if i'm building on this this stack 
So these are the kind of questions, by the way, this was there in the early days of, of Silicon Valley too. I mean, I remember in EDA, which is one of the areas that I've, I've done well uh, as an as a individual carrier, there were all these companies which built things on top of somebody's tools and got bought by that, that company for 50, 60, et cetera. And all they have done is a million dollars of raise from a few private investors who have been in the space or have been in the semiconductor space and loves the products and loves the idea of that product, so helping them reduce their workload, right? And if you look at that space, Andy Bechtelsheim was a big investor because he was doing a big chip and he would put his money to help get rid of all the issues that he sees in that space, which were around mm -hmm. the existing set of tools. So, so yeah. you need to, and the same applies, except now you have a lot of investors in Silicon Valley. So your ability to get that small level of funding is much higher. Uh, it, may, it may not be VCs like us. I mean, uh, we may occasionally do that because we want to, it may not be even for returns that we do those investments. We want to build relationship with entrepreneurs in general. So if we find somebody who's doing something, it's going to be what I call a drive-by shooting. I mean, basically you're going to get something done and you're going to get an exit. We would invest in that founder because we have a hope that the, that founder will do something uh, that's more in our sweet spot in the next flight, right? I mean, and, and you know, anybody who's done a startup never ends. It's it's basically you become a little bit unfit to work in a long in a big company for a long time. So uh, you sort of uh, want to make sure that you are as a venture capitalist beholden and friendly to them and work with them. So you we do do those investments, but it's not very common that we do that, right? No, but you would, uh, you, I, I imagine that you would invest in companies that would start with one use case and then broaden into a full platform and API ecosystem. Yeah. Um, as those, they those, on. those are the venture scale companies. So there will be probably, you know, a few hundred venture scale platform companies, and then there are going to be millions of uh, small companies building on top of those. That's, I think, the... the but, but, but to, to, be, to be fair, when you have this kind of 300 million uh, plus fund, you end up not being able to write, you know, those very small lots of investments, right? So what we can do is only, only, if, only if that entrepreneur is exceptional, would we write it in the hope that we can win his next business and next startup, right? That's what we would do. But I'm telling all the entrepreneurs on your audience that there's a lot of people with lots of money in Silicon Valley who know the problem, and you can raise money not from traditional venture capital as, as, a, as a commodity, you can raise it from people who understand the space, or your users, uh, or entrepreneurs who've done things in, your, in the usage uh, space of your products, who does this as a bunch of seed angel investment, because the investment needed when you're building on a Salesforce platform is much lower than what you would need if you're building it from scratch. Different things. Yeah. We are um, we are actually interested in partnering with the companies who are trying to build these ecosystems and use our influence in the startup world to kind of help with those ecosystems, building those ecosystems. Because you need all these things that we have, um, you know, brought together as a virtual accelerator to accelerate those ecosystems. So, um, so I'm very interested in finding those trunks that are going to become the uh, the hubs of these ecosystems. No, I, I, and I think, I think you know, truly the world is what uh, COVID has shown is you could be in any part of the world. Yeah. Uh, and and so, 
you know, being able to do that and work on it. And, you know, as an entrepreneur, it's not just the size of the company. And it's depending on where you are in your stage of career growth. So you may start with something small. Some may actually start with something which is very crazy and big and really, uh, you know, takes a lot of venture financing. In which case, you know, the thresholds of what you need to raise, how you need to be able to do that is all very different based on yeah. exactly what you're trying to achieve. All right. Well, Rajiv, um, I know you have a meeting. I think your assistant yes. has notified that you're, you need to drop off. So thank you for uh, coming. We will catch up after COVID in person, yeah? Thank you, Sramana. I look forward to it. Thanks. Bye-bye. Take Bye. care.